Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado, and in each episode, I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. Today, we speak with Mike Likov, an entrepreneur, widely recognized expert in the wellness industry and founder of Modern Own, Miami's one-stop soul shop for mindful living. On today's episode, we learn about Mike's unlikely path to where he is today, balancing between the dueling forces one encounters while running a successful business in the spiritual and mindfulness field, and we go deep into what spirituality is and isn't, the biggest misconceptions he encounters around his field, and so much more. So, without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this enlightening and refreshing conversation with Mike Likoff. Mike, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, brother. It's good to have you on. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to set this up for, I think, since before the pandemic, was it? Could that even be possible? I think, I think it was since before the pandemic. Wow. <laughs> Where did that year go? <laughs> That's right. Where did that year go? So I know that you're doing some really awesome stuff here in Miami in the wellness, mindfulness area, but... For the listeners that are maybe just tuning in who don't know who Mike is, Modern Ohm, maybe just take a few moments to introduce yourself. All right. So let's start with my background. I'm an ex-finance guy, reformed. And uh, about 14 years ago, I decided after my MBA to start a yoga business. And it was something that I was interested in, that I had been practicing irregularly. You know, I wasn't a teacher at that time but I was really interested in personal development, self-actualization. And I thought to myself, you know, there could be a yoga company in my future. So I, I did, I started a yoga business called Green Monkey and I moved to Miami, not having been from Miami. Where were you from? I grew up in California okay. and at the time I was in school in uh, Philadelphia. I was attending the um, University of Pennsylvania, Wharton. Okay. So my business partner and I picked Miami because we felt comfortable here. It felt kind of like LA, but it wasn't so saturated. Wellness wasn't as big of a thing. And we saw an opportunity to, to really build something from scratch here and, uh, and make, a, make an impact. So we did. So we moved here 14 years ago and I started this yoga studio that became three yoga studios ultimately. And we... Um, we were in Miami and we had this open ethos of community, of collaboration, of camaraderie that led Green Monkey to become kind of the, the best known yoga brand at the time. And um, that kind of kicked off my, my experience in my, um, basically my career trajectory in the wellness space. So after exiting Green Monkey in 2011, I, um, I moved back to New York and I got back into the finance world, into consumer startups. <sighs> venture capitalist or? Yeah, yeah. I was, okay. I was previously a VC before my MBA. Got it. And then, uh, and then in New York, I was, I was working with, a, with an agency, with a creative agency, running their 
venture arm. So still looking at startups. And uh, as it turns out, through a series of circumstances, I ended up back in Miami. And uh, that wasn't expected. In Miami at the time, in 2011, when I left, I thought I was done. Miami was still, though yoga was growing, wellness was growing, consciousness was um, more acceptable than when I when I arrived here in 2007. Um, there was a really small community, and so when I left, I wasn't. I was ready to leave, and uh, didn't think I would be back. So now, imagine two years later, through this business, actually through another company that I was involved with, I moved back to Miami in 2013, and uh, and then Modern Ohm had been a concept that I created in New York. And the thesis of Modern Home was, hmm, uh, we talk about spirituality, we talk um, about lineages and Buddhism and, and, and yogic philosophy. Um, and Om is this, is this sound that is very um, well-known and very fundamental to Eastern philosophy, but what is that, how does it apply to the modern world? So modern Om was born from this, this question of how do we make Om and these ancient philosophies and ancient spirituality relevant in today's world, in the modern world. And initially, we started it as a product brand. So if you go to our website, you'll see these beautiful handmade malas and other products that we make um, that we had thought initially was going to... Uh, remind the wearer, the, the, the person that, that has these objects of um, this topic. Uh, and, and so we started with this product business. Uh, and in the early days, uh, probably I was kind of giving you the, the dates before, but I would want to say around 2016 is when um, in Miami, we, I, I, uh, we launched. We launched at the end of 2015. Okay. And I wanted to get the word out. I wanted people to know about Modern Ohm and about these great products. So I did what I knew how to do. I had had this yoga business. So I said, you know, yoga, that's so 2007. It's 2016. We want to connect people with the experience of what Ohm means um, so let's do meditations. So I began hosting group meditations in my loft near Wynwood. And just as a test, just to get the vibe, just to see what Miami would think about it. And, you know, they grew. People started coming. People started uh, resonating with the experience of, of Ulm, with the experience of going inward. And, uh, and that activity kept growing. So as more, more people came, we, we created new, new uh, topics that we were covering within, within Modernum and so on and so on and so on. So fast forward a few years and I knew we would be growing out of the space, which was my house in, uh, in this loft building near Wynwood. And I knew there was this, this uh, village, this Tulum Balinese style village up the road called Upper Buena Vista. 
And uh, I'd been offered a house next to Upper Buena Vista that it wasn't the right time for me initially to, to take it, but it became time. So a couple of years ago, uh, we moved into a property um, adjacent to Upper Buena Vista and, and got serious about creating space for the Miami community and created a clubhouse uh, in Miami for, for the Omis. Was there anything in particular that inspired you to say, we need to start creating more of a community rather than just sticking to, the, to just the product-based um, approach? So, yes. Uh, there was a moment in time early on where I was looking at this business thinking, great, it's a product business. It needs soul. It needs soul. And I looked at myself and said, how do I create soul? Where do I derive value and um, have something to offer that is that has depth? And I realized it's experience, it's community. And it's what I had done. It's what I had done with Green Monkey. And uh, I, I kind of effortlessly moved into that space of being a space holder, which is something that I do even now um, with the community and with all the facilitators and teachers that, that work with us. So uh, it, it kind of just happened. Okay. And so today, modern home in a, <laughs> in a post-COVID world, um, maybe give me a little bit of an insight into how the pandemic and all of last year, how did that affect your approach or the business itself? Because I imagine that there's probably somewhat conflicting forces, right? Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if the whole pandemic thing just probably sparked a fire in a lot of people for renewed interest in wellness and, and all of these things, right? As well as there's the opposing force of space restrictions and gatherings and all of that, which kind of makes it a little bit harder to build a community. So maybe you can speak to how last year played out for you, how, how it's any pivots, anything. Absolutely. So um, when we were doing these events at the loft, they were events and we were creating this experience business of meditation and group meditation. At a certain point, I realized that it's not about events. It's not about experiences is that it really was community. So mm -hmm. The offering was community, the value was community, and the business model was community. So when we moved to this house in Upper Buena Vista, the bungalow, we really presented ourselves and did everything we could to, to be a community hub. So from calling ourselves a community to starting a membership to creating membership offerings and, and sharing a lifestyle so it wasn't necessarily about coming to the individual events, being a part of modern Om, being an Omi was being a part of this lifestyle of going inward. Uh, and we were growing. In Miami, we were doing events with all of the really beautiful hotels from Faina to the Addition to Soho House to One Hotel to East, partnered with Brickell City Center, the Design District, um, City of Miami Beach, on and on and on. And we were really bringing this intention to, to, to promote mindfulness and to show people that there is a wealth of beauty and power inside. So we don't have to always be looking on the outside. 
So this gets to the point of, of the value during the pandemic. When the pandemic happened, um, we were the last ones to close, I feel. We stayed open until March 18th. And curfew that night was, I think, 10 p.m. And on March 19th was lockdown. And uh, of course, all of our events at that point, all of our community was delivered um, in person, live. And uh, I got a phone call from a friend of mine. And she said, hey, are you, uh, you what are you doing for, for this? You're going digital, right? And I go, digital? But we're, a, we're an in-person thing. We, we, we bring people together in real life. She goes, you need to go digital. Check out something called Zoom. I'm like, Zoom? I, I think I've heard of it. <laughs> uh, and she's like, okay, I got to go. She's like, I'm going digital. I'm, I'm doing my thing. And that conversation sparked me to really start investigating. And the 18th, we went in lockdown, or it was our last day. And the 23rd was a Monday. And on Monday, we started Zoom. And I had never done it before. Was nervous, didn't really understand how this was going to play out. But we had about 100 people tune into that Zoom call. And I basically outlined what we'd be doing, which was we would be offering uh, a lesson at 10 a.m. on Zoom every single day during the pandemic. Further, it would be a different teacher every day. So it's something that we pulled from Miami. Um, we'd done this program called The Cushion Crawl, where we were in Miami with 21 days and 21 venues with 21 teachers. So imagine it was this journey inward all across Miami from from museums to, to the train tracks, to private homes, to um, the beach and on and on and on. And it was, people loved it. You know, it's just like experiencing lots of different things, meeting each other. So when we went digital, I just took that. And I said, I'm just going to focus on this and we're going to go digital. And so I, I started with a new teacher every single day, thinking to myself, like everybody thought, Oh, lockdown's going to be two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> Longest two weeks of our lives. <laughs> Longest, maybe a month, maybe, you know, a month. And I saw, I said, okay, I, can I get, you know, that many teachers? So I'll figure it out. Well, we all know what happened. And around a month in, I realized this was not stopping. So I committed to the community um, to go 111 days. And I said, we will not repeat a teacher. Why the 111? <sighs> uh, 111 is a, it's called an angel number, but it's a, it's a numerological number. Okay. And it has power. Um, ones represent expansion, possibility, new. So when you see, for example, on the phone, if you're always, always seeing 111 or 1111, um, it's just considered to be a reminder just to check in and also um, that you're on the right path. Okay. So it's one is potentiality, unity, um, and and in the context of one eleven and eleven eleven, it's uh, you're on the right path. Okay. So so hundred and eleven days. Hundred and eleven days. Promise not to repeat a single teacher. Not to repeat a single teacher. Okay. So what happened? We did it. We every day showed up, and uh, I I started calling all the teachers I knew in Miami outside of Miami, 
started asking for referrals to meeting new facilitators, um, people that I peripherally knew, and somehow filling the days. So what was happening at each day? Was it um, just guided meditation? What, 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 was, what was the Zoom uh, meeting or, or, or event? What, what did it entail? That's the beauty of it, is that uh, the, the daily practices span such a diverse variety. Uh, some facilitators taught just simple guided meditation. Some offered a performance. Some guided us through breath work. And others uh, used instruments um, that are intended to, uh, to vibrate us in certain ways, also called sound healing. Uh, some people gave lectures on spiritual topics. Some people gave inspirational tools and tips that can help you get through the day um, with less stress. Some people talked about relationships and others about community. So it was this very organic conversation and, and experience every morning where you didn't really know what you were going to get. You just knew that there was going to be a competent expert uh, leading a session on something of interest. And uh, yeah, it really, it really worked. It really took off. Um, the, the group of teachers that, that we brought in and that um, I kept finding some of them on Instagram or by referral uh, really brought so much value to the Miami community. And it provided this consistency. So, you know, in this times of uncertainty, um, we're still in kind of these really feeling uncertain times. Uh, to have a consistent place in a space where you know you can just show up and you're gonna you're gonna learn, you're gonna grow, you're going to learn, you know, a tool or a tip, or maybe even if you hear a phrase that 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 touches you, and it's at 10 a.m. every day on the same Zoom link I host, so I I open and close all the sessions I've missed perhaps five or six due to travel or certain obligations. But that kind of consistency um, has shown itself already to be incredibly valued because we live in really inconsistent and, you know, uncertain moment right now. It's, yeah, I would imagine it's also came at the perfect time for a lot of people where, you know, you're cooped up in, in your house there's all this fear being pumped out everywhere, ever, you know, news and TV and everything. It's just bombarding you. It's this outlet for, I know that after, how long is each session? 45 minutes. 45 minutes. So it's like no brainer, you know, that after those 45 minutes, you're going to walk away better than what you went in. It's like, yeah, it's a no brainer. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and it comes along with as kind of to the question you asked earlier, comes along with this um, it, this real this shift that came into focus for everybody, which is that everything on the outside is really uncertain, and that is the basis of of all spiritual teachings. Is the external world? It could be beautiful today. You could have everything that your ego wants that you want to have. You could be checking all the boxes. There is zero guarantee that tomorrow that will be the case. And, or that you can still have all of these things and you can still not be fulfilled, right? Exactly. 
Exactly. Regardless of what you have or don't have, you can still be fulfilled. You are so right. Yeah. So that that is that is a big part of of what it is that's going on in society is that you have a lot of people who have the things. They have a Tesla. They have a job, a stable job that pays even through the pandemic. They have, you know, fill in the blank. And yet they're still feeling lack. They are still in some form of suffering. They are still uh, not feeling joy. And, and that is a big deal because our world consistently focuses our attention on the outside, that there's some kind of a solution or a solve on the external. Whether it be a pharmaceutical, take this pill, or look like this, or have that, we all get it. That's, that's basically how the world operates. At this deeper level, what does modern OM really mean? It's now opening this conversation that more and more people are, are open to having around, nah, man, it's not, it, it's not on the outside. It's on the inside. It's an inside job. And during the pandemic, everybody was stuck inside in their homes, couldn't do the things, I don't know, play golf and go to the beach and do so many things that they love to do. And, and on top of that, the uncertainty. And it's like, okay, now what's going on? Where am I at? What's, what's really going on inside myself? And how, how do I build resilience, find peace, find ease? How, how are my relationships? Uh, how are my relationships? You know, first and foremost with myself, but then, you know, with my, you know, you said you're married with kids, with my wife and my children and with my parents. And, and those things came into full focus um, during this time. So just had a way of removing, um, I don't know if the right word is distractions, but up to a certain point, those things do become, can act as distractions from, from the real world work that we have to do, right? Like those relationships. And it's like, it's easy to think it's all fine and dandy when you're out on a boat and you're having fun every single weekend, but when you're stuck, you know, at home with other people or by yourself forces you to think about, all right, am I happy? Yeah. Is this good? Absolutely. You know? And all, all of those things. So, you know, the, the modern, modern day wisdom really doesn't approach external things as bad or, being on boats and drinking rosé or going to parties, none of that's bad. It can be beautiful and it can provide so much value and, and appreciation and joy. And yes, joy. The thing is, is that what's underneath that? Mm. If, you're, if you're using these experiences and, and material possessions and um, experiences, exchanges with people to... Uh, to cover things yeah. inside to avoid what's going on inside. Well, you know, maybe you want to look at that. And if you are going to look at that, that's what more modern home can come into value because we're offering so many ways to look at that. You know, so many modalities, so many lessons, so many wisdom, and equally as important, so many people. Because we may have somebody that shows up and leads a session. And maybe that person isn't your person. They really don't resonate with you. But if your mother was listening to them, 
maybe there's some connection there and your mother would be like, oh, right, that, I get it. Or holy crap, I didn't realize that was an option or that this is, this is real or that I could do that. So simply by having so many different voices, so many stories from different facilitators present um, in this consistent fashion, it provides tremendous value. Right. What are some of the biggest misconceptions that you often see around your field? What a great question. So I would say one of them that's coming up for me right now is that people still treat spirituality as an outside game. How so? Uh, it's about what you do and how you look and who you spend your time with. So you see people mm. who go to certain events or who dress a certain way or who do certain things in order to feel spiritual. Right. Or maybe to show that they're spiritual to other people. And it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to look spiritual. Another misconception about, let's say, meditation is that, uh, you ha- that it has to be hard. That you have to close your eyes and you have to just sit there and you have to work at making your mind clear. You have to work at opening yourself up. And don't get me wrong. There is a time and a place for discipline and consistency and showing up. But these things don't have to be work. It doesn't have to be hard. And the irony of it is that in some way, in some ways, the harder you work, the more fleeting that experience actually is. So I'll give it to you. Um, I'll, I'll share one of the modalities or one of the conversations I think is really relevant to society is the conversation of masculine feminine, not the actual physical sex, not the gender, not the sexual preference, but this idea of what is masculine and what is feminine. What are those energies? And they're, they're called yin and yang in Buddhist or Asian traditions. Um, the masculine is the force, is linear, is strength, is um, protection, is uh, the container. It is directional. And there are other words that can describe the masculine energy. Feminine is nurturing, is receptive, is creative, is formless, such that the masculine is the container contains the feminine. And everything in life, in this world of duality, and that is the reality of the world that we live in, everything is dual, masculine, feminine, light, dark, good, bad. And we look at this world and the world is very masculine and the very, very masculine driven. We have hierarchy, we have structure, masculine. We have force, we have ambition, we've got business, we're linear. Look at our buildings, how we build, how we think. So masculine's great, but there is the other side, which is the feminine, which is equally, it's equal, They're, they are equal. And you see this now rising up, especially in the spiritual world of the feminine, 
the divine feminine and talking about women and and the whole the whole female and feminine energy is rising in the world from on many levels. Wonderful. This is exactly what needs to be happening. So as we look at things like meditation or certain practices, we might still apply a masculine approach, structure, linear, uh, work hard. The harder I work, the, 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 be- the farther I'm going to go. Well, things operate best when there's this push and pull between the masculine and the feminine. So in, as in anything, really, if you look at it, there's a time to push and to drive, even as an entrepreneur. But if you don't also open yourself and just receive into your bank account, you know, into your business, into, into your energy field, then, then all you're doing is pushing. All you're doing is driving. And what happens? Burnout, stress, sickness, disease. And so in the, in the area of meditation, um, as I said, a misconception is that it should be work. It should be hard, right? But maybe it's sitting and just receiving. Maybe it's sitting there and just letting the energy flow and letting the ideas flow into you and the emotions flow into you and through you. And uh, it doesn't have to be work. The word balance comes to mind when you're talking about duality, right? Like, oh, let's, let's make sure that we have balance. And, and I often say and think you, by trying to find balance, a lot of times, unfortunately, people try to dial down these attributes, right? Mm-hmm. To, to come a little bit more towards the center. And, it, and if, unfortunately, what you end up is losing out on the benefit of pushing on those two extremes, right? It's where I think that's the beauty. It's not being lopsided. It's not being in the middle. It's about pushing on both of those with equal strength, um, which is when you get, you know, a 250 pound big, you know, muscular dad playing with a one-year-old in a very tenderly way, you go, that's beautiful. That guy can completely obliterate that kid, but he's, he's being delicate. And there's beauty in, in that, knowing that it's capable of these two things and applying it. And so, yeah, unfortunately we miss out on a lot of those benefits on, on, on those sides, because unfortunately these days people like to operate on one side or the other. And if you're on one side, the other side is bad or, or, or is you're, you're totally right. I mean, you think about power or, or how energy works and you know, you have these polarities, masculine, feminine, it's like uh, charges, like a, like a magnet and you have their, their opposite. The stronger the magnets, right? The stronger, the stronger each of them are, the more power, you know, that's how batteries work and electricity works, right? The stronger, the, the more energy it has to offer. Um, when you're, you're, I think our society is, is both masculine, lopsided towards the masculine side um, and has been for not, you know, for 2000 plus years, if, if, you, if you track the historians. Um, and also there's kind of this shift of this watering down of the masculine and the feminine, like you said, coming, kind of coming to the middle, but that just makes the magnet weaker. Yeah. It just makes the magnet weaker. So you lose the benefits of both. You lose lose the benefits of both. You lose the power. So this, this ability to play within, even within ourselves, um, because we all have a masculine and a feminine and there's a time to work. And there's there a time to receive. There's a time to be structured. And there's a time to be creative. 
And in understanding these aspects of ourselves, we can hopefully tap into what's needed at the moment and go, oh, now is a time for play and for being fun and lighthearted and creative and, and soft. And then now is the time to hone in and focus and be analytical. So bringing it back to you, you've achieved success in business. You, you have this you know, business background, everything. And, but you're operating in this, at first glance, very opposite end of the spectrum, right? And in the field that you're in about wellness and everything is kind of like what you mentioned. It's, it's spirituality. It tends to be looked at more on the feminine side of things. But do you consider yourself a business person First, that happens to be in, in, in your field, in the wellness and the consciousness field? Or do you consider yourself a wellness, consciousness type person, spiritual person that happens to be in business? I love that you asked me this. So I would say that I'm a creative that was misdiagnosed as a business person at childhood. Huh. Okay. How so? Um, like many people, you know, we, we are born into our families and then uh, we're shaped by, by the culture and by expectations placed on us. And in my case, uh, I was always taught that I would become a business person. That was just it. I didn't actually have any other option. And so I did the right things. I got the right grades. I attended the right schools, had the right experiences. What is your background? Sorry. I was uh, born in Russia, Okay, Russian Jewish family, immigrated to the U.S. in childhood, and raised in California. Okay. And I did the things such as get the grades, went to UCLA on a full academic scholarship, graduated in three years when I was 20 years old, went to work in finance, ended up in venture capital, and then I went to Wharton, which is considered the school that is right. quite, quite uh, highly regarded. And so in your culture, is that why you're saying that it was pretty much focused on like you had to go into business? I didn't know there was anything else to do. There was no alternative. There was no, there was no other option other than this kind of a path. And in my case, uh, I did these things out of obligation, out of societal um, expectation or what I felt was expected of me. And I felt nothing. It didn't bring me the joy that I, or the satisfaction or the accomplishment that I was looking for in any of those stages. And that's probably my story as why I was so interested in going inward and looking at self-actualization is that I wanted to feel something. I wanted to feel the joy. I wanted to feel the peace. I wanted to feel the success. Never felt it, though I was making these particular achievements. So uh, for me, this has been a path of exploration uh, and growing from that journey inward. Now, what I think is quite interesting, lots of people come to spirituality and to this journey inward through, through pain mm. or through trauma. Lots of people have this path. You know, they have things that, that um, happened, so many variety of things that happened to people and that cause a great amount of pain. And 
they are inspired, they find um, solace, they find joy, they return back to themselves and manage to to grow and to become even, as I said before, even greater versions of themselves um, and shine in the world through this process of of healing of healing what's wrong what's what's incongruent inside or what's traumatic or what's painful. I came to this from a space of having externally many things and not appreciating, not uh, not being inspired and and just you know wanting an adventure wanting to have a life that that feels meaningful. So so you would consider yourself a creative person first. But uh, that happens to be in business, right? Like that creativity you, it's basically you, the way that you're scratching your your creative itch is through business, is that So right. So had I had I gone a different direction, I probably would have would have been uh, had less of a business, a struct. Had I gone a different direction, I would have had less of a structured business career trajectory. Okay. And the beauty of me being where I am now is that I happen to be a creative with a very structured, rigorous training in business, in structure, in strategy. And I'm applying it into a space that is. Um, of utmost value and benefit to myself, which is this journey inward. Right. Because I'm in the journey, like all of our modern old members and all of our extended community, actually like all of our facilitators as well. I'm on this journey and I see the value in it. And I know that the external world, all those things that we talked about earlier, will never make me happy, just they'll never make you happy. They'll never make anybody happy because they are, will always be uh, ephemeral. Right. Here one minute, the next minute not here. So in order to be happy, we have to be happy first inside ourselves. Going back to this idea of the duality and pushing on both sides, how do you balance between these seemingly opposing forces of creativity and business structure? It's really a dance. And the, the reality about balance is that we're never fully in balance in the moment. We're always moving from one to the other. We're, they're always on this tightrope, uh, about to fall off in one direction, and then kind of regaining and going in the other direction. Love that analogy. I've always used that. The balancing on top of a ball or a tightrope. I've always, yes, love it. Yeah. And so in my world, when I'm working a lot and I'm doing emails and structure and meetings, that's the masculine. And that is the structure that I, I know how to do very well. Um, if I don't create space for the creativity or for, um, or for new possibilities, then, then I'm actually out of balance, even in the state that I'm in, even in this role that I have, which is to hold space for this community and run this mindful business. I too err on the, in the direction of being, um, 
too structured, working too hard, realizing that the day has passed and all I have done is, is sit at my computer or take calls. And this does happen. And uh, my way of countering that is creating time in my schedule to take care of myself, to nurture myself, whether it be for working out, moving my body. Uh, I have space in my day, or well, very structuredly, of course, um, at 10 a.m. every day. I also practice with the community. So I have a 45-minute window every day that I do these things. But if I didn't have that carved out, um, I might, I might, would, might not even do it. Hmm. That's interesting. So you mentioned your background, your, your, your heritage and everything, and how that played a, a big role in, in, in aiming you in, in the business direction and everything. Any other, whether it's experiences or, or sometimes it's people that, that most shaped who you are today? Mm. Well, you know, no story of mine is complete without talking about my mother. My mother is also a business person and also a mystic. So she um, is the one that oriented me towards business earlier in my life. And, uh, and now is my business partner in Modern Home. So she brings together uh, also business and this undying kind of quest to, to know more and to go deeper more so even than me. And I think in many ways, in so many ways, I've been shaped with her, um, you know, with, with the way that she is. And uh, she's the example that I have of, of the left brain, right brain, masculine, feminine, like very, like very strong polarities on both sides, right? So like we were talking about. And uh, yeah, so she's another person that, that I would say has shaped me tremendously. Um, is there anything in particular that comes to mind that you go, man, this is something that I really learned from my mom or, or, or any, any memories in particular that come to mind that were particularly impactful? You know, I think what I learned from my mom is that, is that I'm capable of anything. It feels like I can do so many different things very well. And I think it's because I look at her and she does so many things very well. And I don't think, I think we learn from our parents so much. And what I learned from her is really that we can all step up and rise to the occasion, all of us, and be exceptional at many things. We're not subject to just being good at one thing or at sports or at being smart or academic or at a particular type of job. Um, we have so many so much potential in all of us. And I just feel like she shaped that in me. It's why I can be left brain and right brain, why I can why I can hold space with community and then talk about cap tables and and financial models with other people and so on and so on. It's because I never realized that it's not possible. It is rare to achieve any type of significant um, amount of success in life or, or, or build something without experiencing failure. Um, any, 
this sounds weird, but any favorite failures of yours that, that come to mind? And by that, I mean something that in the moment felt like a, you know, a punch in the gut. You failed at something, but later on realized, huh, had it not been for that failure, this other thing wouldn't have lined up or. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my favorite failure was Green Monkey. So when I left the business, uh, I chose to leave because the internal structure and, and team, the, it was very toxic at the time. And we had created this brand and this growing business in Miami, um, but based on a lot of small mistakes, some bigger, but when you take them all together, um, created a really, a really unsatisfactory dynamic. So I was young at the time. I was 29, 30, 31 when I, when I had the company and I was the CEO. And at the time I remember thinking, how did we get here? How did I get here? Why do I feel this way about this business and, uh, and what I've arrived in now? And going back and tracing the steps and going, well, I remember making that step and that made sense. Then I made this step and that made sense. And so on and so on and so on. And then I ended up unhappy. And I was worn down at the time. I was worn down by the responsibility by the work, by the dynamics of the, of the team at that time. And I stepped out. I, just, I chose to step out of running the company. And uh, one of the hardest decisions of my life. And uh, it was very, very hard, even at the time and even for several years after, for me to process uh, that I did that. And... Uh, I realized only later that it paved so much of my understanding of how to run a business, how to interact with people, how to build relationships, how to maintain relationships. And uh, in fact, I feel as if my major growth as a person came in my mid-30s. Though I did all these things when I was young, though I started my first company while I was in my 20s, though I got into a spiritual practice while I was in my 20s and built a business in the spiritual realm, and I was practicing, and I was doing the work, and I did go through the yoga training, and I did practice yoga consistently, and I had people that I learned from, I was still living and operating at the level that I was. It's not good or bad. I just see myself then from this vantage point going, ah, that's what I knew then. And it's through these life experiences that we grow. It's through failure. It's through setback. It's through pain. It's through loss. It causes us to evaluate how we show up in the world. So if I tell you that I ended up in a in a situation with that company where I was very unhappy and not understanding why the dynamic of the business was what it was. 
I have to include myself in that analysis. I wasn't a victim to being in a bad right. relationship. None of us are. It's where's our responsibility? What are we bringing out of us that contributes to um, dissonance, right? To others' pain. And it's when we're forced to confront on the outside these these failures or these circumstances or experiences, and they suck. When we face them, we have an opportunity. Many of us don't take this opportunity, but we have an opportunity to then go, okay, what am I doing here? How am I showing up? And, and if we go that route, then we grow, right? Then we grow. Then years later, we can look back and go, ah, okay, I see. I see that what I did then was where I was then. And the mistakes that I make today, which all of us will always be, of course, the mistakes I make today will be different than the ones I made then. What's going through your mind when you're going through those moments um at least back then, or even today, when you're diff- facing difficult times or, or difficult situations, are there any thoughts that you find yourself turning to? Any any quotes that you particularly refer back to um, that, that tend to steer your direction? I'll give you a story. And this is a story that I, I share sometimes. So a couple of years ago, I was going through a low point. This is like early 36, 37 years old. And uh, just just at capacity, tired, the entrepreneurial life, very masculine, driven, focused, working, working, working. And uh, met, a, met uh, a teacher, a healer, and started working with him. And fascinating guy, uh, subject of a whole nother story, I'm sure. Um, but he we were talking about plant medicine and these are things like ayahuasca, psilocybin, so on and so on. And he does not like that. So he said, these things have no value. And, and I said, well, I've had an experience where, where, where there's, where I've gotten value out of it. He says, like what? So I said, okay, well, there was a time that I was in a relationship and the relationship had recently ended. And she reached out to me and, um, and we had this exchange uh, and I wasn't prepared to give her an answer on a particular topic. And, but I was doing a ceremony that weekend. So I said, I'll, can I call you on Sunday? And after this ayahuasca ceremony on Sunday, uh, as I was ready to um, call her, I realized that I had any pent up anger or upsetness that I had was gone, just gone, which then created a new opportunity for us. So in that phone call, in that interaction with her, uh, we were able to I don't know, find a resolution, beautiful, no stress, no anger. And it concluded in this really unexpected way because I was a bit upset with her previously. 
And I was sharing this experience with a friend. And my friend uh, said, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Ayahuasca healed you. And it gave you this healing that you were able to forgive her. And I thought about that. And I go, mm, mm. it's not quite it. It's not that I was able to forgive her. It's that I realized that there's nothing to forgive. And this insight was like this huge insight for me. There's nothing to forgive. And now fast forward. I tell this story to this healer who I'm working with several years later. He's sitting, he's listening, he's like, all right, all right, why? I go, why what? And he goes, why is there nothing to forgive? You just told me this whole story. Why is there nothing to forgive? And I thought about it and I gave him an answer and I said, well, there's nothing to forgive because this woman is on her own path, on her own journey, going through her own pain. She wasn't in this to harm me. She wasn't looking to injure anybody. She's just going through her own process. And it wasn't personal. So nothing to forgive. And the healer looks at me. He says, no dummy. There's nothing to forgive because you created her. You formed her out of your insides, out of the consciousness within you. And you formed her on the outside of you, on your external, so that you could see yourself for who you really are. And everything that's beautiful and strong about this person, that's you. And everything that's fucked up, that's you too. And this story, this moment, was another huge shift for me because it gave me an answer to something, which is, it's not, it's not outside. It's all inside. We creating everything on the outside of ourselves. And there's so much power in that because you cannot be a victim. Nothing's happening to you. You're creating all of these circumstances, all of these conditions. So how this shaped the next few years of my life is that I realized that in doing all of this work on the outside, in working and striving and making and doing, next, if I don't change what's inside of me, all of these things have to be done over and over and over again, like fixing a problem. If you're just putting a Band-Aid on something, you look away and a month later, you need to put a new Band-Aid on. You need to put a new Band-Aid on. You need, you need to solve, you need to heal whatever's under the Band-Aid. And then you don't need the Band-Aid. And then your life can, in that way, can move smoother. So I realized that everything starts inside. And it starts inside and then it moves outside. And 
And then when we see what's outside, we can then choose to work with it, to ignore it, to fix it on the outside, or we can investigate where it's from, what the sources are, and look to heal and resolve that within. And how this all ties into what it is that I do is modern OM is really offering all these routes in. It's offering Buddhism, it's offering astrology, it's offering past lives, it's offering yoga, it's offering different forms of meditation, it's offering relationships and community. And all of these are routes into ourselves. And all of these have something to share. and to, They shed light on different parts of ourselves. And the community of people that are doing this work, and the community is getting larger and larger, they're given a chance to, to look and then do the work. And those that are, are finding that their external worlds are improving. Mm. Yeah. Well, because in a way, it's, it's kind of like, just like you can't just slap a fresh coat of paint. I mean, you can, but it's not going to last long. Slapping a fresh coat of paint on a rotted, you know, drywall. At some point, you have to fix it. If you fix yourself on the inside, then you can't help but bear good fruit, right? Like, and so it just can't help but that come out of you. Yeah. Um, what's next for for you, modern home, as you look forward in the next few months, few years? So modern home now that we have been digital for the past year, we're really growing our digital reach. We're touching people from all over the world. We're upping our level of facilitator, and uh, it's it's been incredibly well received. So this variety of teachings that we've got, uh, the the community of facilitators that is not only exceptional, but they care about community. They love being a part of the platform. Um, it's very warm. So I'm looking forward to continuing to grow that. And then in Miami, we are one of the only spiritual centers that's so active. And we for sure have the most active community and the most active programs. So it's about holding space for Miami as Miami continues to evolve and grow as a destination, now not only for snowbirds or vacation, but as we know and we've been seeing it's a destination for people moving here to build lives and build their careers and their companies. Now that people can do that from lots more places with, with work at home um, environments that we're looking towards uh, is to keep showing up in Miami and delivering the best, the best content um, facilitators and being welcoming to everybody that's arriving in Miami and digitally. And just seeing how it unfolds. Love it. So switching into uh, a segment on every episode, which is called the Miami Rapid Fire. Yep. So I'm just going to throw out a few quick questions around Miami living. Quick questions, quick answers. First thing that comes to mind. Best and worst thing about living in Miami? The worst thing about living in Miami? None. Okay. And best? The best thing about living in Miami 
having all your friends come visit. Okay. <laughs> Especially now, right? <laughs> Everybody wants to be here. Yeah, this is true. You don't have to go anywhere anymore. This is true. Um, favorite food spot and dish in Miami? The best restaurant in Miami is Mandolin. And I love their meze platter that they serve. They have a, hum they have a Turkish and a Greek one. Okay. Perfect way to spend a Miami weekend. Uh, on the beach at Soho House, on the sand. Okay. If you're stuck in Miami traffic, what are you listening to? Mm, I'm listening to my SoundCloud, most likely a um, new episode by Goldcap. Okay. Any other Miami businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, anything that you want to show a little bit of love to um, because they're doing awesome things or that you're a fan of? What I love is about Miami is that since the days of Green Monkey, a lot of our businesses came up together. So people like Leticia and Joel from Panther, Zach from Zach the Baker, uh, Ariane Rashad from Tremble, um, Carla Daskal of Sacred Space and Paradise Farms. There's so many people that have been building businesses here for the past decade two decades and it's, it's fun watching them flourish. That's awesome. In a second, I'm going to ask you to share with the listeners, anything else um, that, that you're up to the best way for them to connect with you or anything, but is there anything that comes to mind that we didn't touch on anything that you wanted to share with the listeners or that you want to share with the listeners? Um, the mic is yours. Amazing. So I would say, Come check out Modern Home. Our bungalow is located in Upper Buena Vista, and we have programs every week around conscious living, whether it be meditation or lectures or sound healings. We cover topics as diverse as self-love, tantric sex, sacred medicine, Buddhist philosophy, kundalini, uh, as well as just, just simple meditation practices. And this space and this, the bungalow is really an offering to the Miami community. My energy and my intention is to grow our business digitally, globally. So everything I'm doing in Miami is really to serve um, my neighbors, my friends, and all of the really epic facilitators that uh, have been growing and developing locally that I want to share with the world. Love it. And what's the best way for people to connect with you, find out what you've got going on, what Modern Ohm is, has going on, everything? You can always find me active on Instagram. Uh, the handles are at Modern Ohm and then at Mike Likes. And my name is spelled M-Y-K. So it's M-Y-K-L-I-K-E-S. Mike, thank you so much, brother. Thank you for spending time and for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>